in the first few years that I co-founded my company, it was a lot, a lot of work. And I was up usually 2, 3 a.m. I, th I think I started to gain quite a bit of weight and I was up to like 200 pounds and it really freaked me out. That's when I really got serious about training and I went to see a nutritionist and I signed up for my first 100 miler to try to work that down. I had set a goal to do 30 uh, 10Ks um, in 30 consecutive days. Um, and then I ended up doing 100 days of that because uh, it was just going well. I lost 30 pounds after that, after seeing a nutritionist, and I was just kind of tracking everything. And in my earlier uh, years of training, I would just, I would think that if I'm not doing a nine minute mile, then I'm not doing good and <laughs> I should stop. Mm -hmm. So yeah. um, just accept, being more accepting of being a slow runner, it's fine. Um, and I guess that's also why I like these kind of events is because I can be, I can, I am a slow runner. Uh, I'm not fast. I can't do a, a hundred miler. and like 17 or 18 hours, for example, where others can. Um, so this uh, allows me to compete um, with really good athletes. I've heard it said that people choose extreme challenges to expose the cracks within themselves. Only when you push yourself so hard, too hard, some may argue, do you really find out what you're made of. Out there, out in the space, far beyond our comfort zone or our personal limits, that's where you meet yourself in elaborate technicolor. Everything you love and hate about yourself, your abilities and your weaknesses will all be undeniably presented to you. It's a test, but not one that is pass or fail. The test results will tell you where you have cracks in your structure. Perhaps that's why people do extreme challenges more than once. They take the test the first time to expose the cracks, and then they come back to see which of the cracks they filled since the last time. I hope you all get an opportunity to test the cracks, whether physical, mental, or spiritual, whether during an endurance adventure or on your own journey, knowing where your cracks are, and deliberately filling them, that is a superpower, obtainable to all of us. Hi everybody, and welcome to the Endurance and Pursuit of Potential podcast. This podcast is about advancing the integration of mindset and performance. We do this by diving into the endurance lifestyle, the mindset, the supporting infrastructure for you to achieve endurance adventure. But I also want for you, the listener, as I want my athletes to understand that mental, emotional, and spiritual fitness are critical components of the whole, and that the vulnerability required to strengthen all of them is not a weakness, but a checkpoint on the way to resilience. I don't look to train anybody. I try to help them grow. Endurance athletics and its training is the vehicle I choose to convey growth. Skilled coaching involves unlocking people's potential to maximize their own performance. The best practitioners have mastered both parts of the process, imparting knowledge and helping others discover it in themselves. That's how I see my job. Your human and athletic development played out in the endurance arena, but overlaying into our daily life. This week, I had the opportunity to sit down with a last man standing champion. He's done a few of these, and he's grown his experience and his knowledge and his wisdom in training and doing this sort of unique aspect of endurance athletics over the years. It's a fun conversation to listen to because you can hear in his description the progression of his knowledge, how he trains for it, but also his understanding of the nuances around this type of race. We first go into and describe what this racing is all about, but you can also hear my fascination around it with regards to that there is only one finisher and everyone else is technically a DNF. We'll elaborate on what that means in the podcast. It's a fun conversation. It's a light conversation with somebody who not only balances a full-time career 
and family with something that is quite time consuming from a training perspective. But one of the takeaways from this conversation for me was it was a good reminder that consistency and doing a little something every day for many weeks in a row, many months in a row, and in this case, even years in a row, builds amazing fitness. You can hear from him that his training isn't necessarily huge volume, but it's day in and day out, being intentional every single day on how you're getting your work done. Now, I'm sure in his training, he might have some faster sections and some intensity sections, some hills, but this is how he integrates it in his life. I think you will all gather some key insights and tidbits from this conversation about the last man standing events, how to combine it with your life, and maybe spark some curiosity for you to do one of these events. I also found it quite interesting how many people use a last man standing event for their first 100 miler. New to me, I've coached a few athletes for last man standings, but they were looking to go further and longer than just 24 hours. I like the nuance of how it came about, the history, and so forth. I think you'll really enjoy this unique perspective into someone who is passionate and curious to grow in the last man standing endurance world and what that all means even. I hope you enjoy and I will talk to you on the other side. All right. Well, I am excited to talk to um, somebody on the podcast for once besides David and we have Brian Bondi on today. And some of you might wonder, well, who's Brian Bondi? Well, he came across my radar in that a former athlete of mine said I should have him on the podcast. And I looked into it, and it happens to be his boss, I think, as well as uh, somebody who runs um, last man standing events. And we'll go into what those are and what they mean and why they're so special. But also there's a there's a brand behind it, and I'm curious to hear more about that as well. So we have Brian on today to talk everything ultra endurance, um, mindset, how to navigate family, work, and um, a endurance running career. I put that in air quotes uh, all at the same time and sort of see how the lifestyle works and how to reach potential and pursue potential despite living so far what I can tell in normal life. <laughs> so <laughs> Brian, welcome. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. So why don't we uh, first go into what event it is that you did? Um, and okay. I'd also love to hear a little bit about your running background, sort of what, what, how you came to running, what brought you into endurance running, since many people start at different um, distances, and then how you ended up at this last man standing type of event. Sure, yeah. Um, so maybe I'll start just describing what this last man standing event is that you're talking about, or the, mm -hmm. the, the type of format anyways. It's called the Backyard Ultra. Um, so what it is, is um, it's basically a race that kind of restarts every hour. So um, every hour, each contestant runs 4.166667 miles or 6.71 kilometers at the start of every hour. So if you don't get in time uh, for that run, um, to start the next race at the top of the next hour, then you're out basically. Um, and it keeps going until there's one person left. So um, the whole field basically DNFs except for one person. And that one person uh, becomes the winner basically. So there's only one person that officially finishes the race. Um, so this format was created by um, uh, Lazarus Lake, Gary Cantrell, um, uh, famous for um, uh, a lot of things, but Biggs Backyard and uh, Barkley Marathons, you probably know as well. Yep. And let me ask you just right there. Um, so do you still have to run that final lap or is it because you're at the start line on time and the others aren't like, can you just run 50 feet past the start line and basically you're the winner? No, the rules say that you have to run one more than the other person. So basically these things end in two ways. One way, um, the person doesn't want to start the next loop. In that case, you have to finish an entire extra loop. Um, the other way is if they don't make it back in time, um, and you're down to two people, um, if they don't make it back in time, then basically you, by definition, are the only one that completed the one extra loop. So basically you just need to have one extra loop than the second place guy. So sometimes that involves a whole extra loop. Sometimes it doesn't based on that. Love it. Love it. Yeah. That's awesome. 
All right. And so you did this event and which one was it? Where was it located? Um, yeah, yeah, so I did Perfect PR uh, Backyard Ultra most recently, and that was in Michigan. Um, there's maybe, there's about 100 people, but about 50 people competing uh, seriously for it. And uh, some people just registered for like a three-hour type thing and a six-hour type thing. Um, and the rest were going for the long haul, I guess, uh, yeah. for as long as I can go. Do, do typically uh, people sign up in order to sort of prepare for their next one? So, for example, if I'm preparing for a last man standing in November or October, would I do mm -hmm. one in June and just sort of simulate and just sort of get my feet wet? Or is that not common? Um, I would say yes. I think it's a really good format to kind of, I mean, you don't need to run at a super fast pace to be done 6.7 kilometers uh, in an hour. So... Um, you can really rack up that uh, the mileage over time if you stick with it. Um, it's not very hard on your body. It's not like super highly intensive, but I mean, it gets hard after let's say 24 hours where, where you've been doing this to to get that distance in. Um, and it gets harder as time goes on, but um, definitely you can you can practice for for uh, the longer distances that way. Whether it be another backyard ultra later or just an, another 100 mile or 200 mile or whatever your, your goals are. Mm -hmm. And are the courses basically exactly the same with regards to elevation gain, footing, uh, terrain, meaning trail, some, um, some, you know, dirt or gravel or roots as well as elevation gain? So most of them have um, two different courses. Um, so during the day, you do a trail, trail loop basically for 12 hours or until it gets dark. And then you switch to uh, a road loop usually. Um, not, not all events are like that. Some of them just use the same loop the whole entire way, whether it's day or night. Um, and the elevation is kind of all over the map. So some of them are completely flat. Some of them are, let's say, 600 feet of it. Like Big's Backyard Ultra is about 600 feet of elevation per loop. Um, <laughs> wow. So, so that, that, that adds up uh, quite a bit over time. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. And so here you are, you um, decided to do this. What uh, what was the impetus to do it? Um, what's your background with that? And from there? Yeah, I first read about it. I, it was an article somewhere, maybe in Canadian Run Magazine or something like that. And I just read about it. And I was like, I had just finished my first 100 miler then. Um, this is just not that long ago, 2020, actually. Um, and I just thought right away, that's really stupid. <laughs> I don't want to ever do it. Like we um, all do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and eventually kind of just I don't know, that, that article kind of planted the seed and I was thinking about it and thinking about it more. And uh, um, yeah, I just decided to try it out and I really love the format. And um, it's kind of nice that you get to get back to your home base after um, every single hour you can restock and you don't need to carry as much supplies with you throughout the, the course and things like that. Um, you don't need to do multiple drop bags. You can just have one big 10 by 10 pop-up tent, for example, with all your supplies in it. So um, it's a nice, nice format. Um, there's even one guy on, on the perfect PR uh, race that I was doing that just stopped in the middle of the race to read a sign that was on like a boardwalk. And it was just like just describing like the park sign. And he's just sitting there. Like, that's, that just shows you how not competitive it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I mean, until yeah. it's, you know, until it, you're starting to wear down, it's just, you're just running loops, whether you're the 10th person or the first person or the 50th person it doesn't matter you just got to exactly conserve your energy and, and manage yourself through it and we'll go into that more because I'm, I'm i'm really curious about that but so you had done a hundred miler what's your running background before that are were you an athlete were you a runner growing up what what sort of who who's brian as an athlete <laughs> um so people probably most know me for like as the computer guy, programming guy, and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. I had um, a twin teenage. Uh, I have twins; they're teenagers now, uh, age thirteen. So I started running when they were babies, uh, right around then, um, and then just started with a five k, and then a ten k, and then a half marathon, then a marathon, then a fifty k, fifty mile, and then I went to the hundred mile, um, and then been pushing beyond that since then. That's the healthy. That's the healthy progression. <laughs> Problem is, some people try to do that in like 18 months. Right. <laughs> so, that's, not, that's not that healthy. You took 13 years to do it. So, <laughs> yeah. all right. So here we are. We're doing a back, uh, uh, well, we're doing a last man standing. Yeah. And um, how did you, before you started it, how, what did you think this was going to be? Like, what was the, your impression prior to doing it? So are you talking about the most recent one or like the first back, 
that Garrett Ultra that your I've first, done. Your first one. Okay. Um, I mean, I didn't really know what to... The first one that I did was called the Quarantine Back Garrett Ultra, so it was like a virtual one. Um, oh. And some people were allowed to do it in treadmill. Some people just went outside. I went outside the whole time. Um, and I lasted, I think, 27 hours for that one, which was like the top 30. But there was like a 1,000 people that were, were doing that one. Mike Wardian yes. won that one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, By I, yourself. I, Whoa, that's hard. <laughs> it, it was kind of nice, though, because I could get back to my garage where, where, I was, where my base camp was set up. And I had a bed there that I could sleep on. Um, for Like if you get back early on a loop, you have an extra 10 minutes, for example, to take a nap if you want uh, or, or or stretch or go to the bathroom or whatever you do you gotta you gotta pick one <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and so was that therefore then your first one and so that, that was my first back area yeah they gave you that insight and then your second one was this uh the uh the pr no that was like my sixth one or something oh wow like okay yeah yeah, yeah I've, I've won three of these um the perfect pr was the most recent one that i that i won mm-hmm. um Another one was not a super competitive one. It was only up to 24 hours when I won. And uh, Lone Cactus was like half virtual, half not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was participating in that one virtually. Um, and I won that one with 31 loops. Hmm. How does it and, work with 24-hour cutoff? Is it, does everybody sprint the last one to decide? Or, or were they all done? No, it just happened to end at 24 the, so I was oh, the only okay. one that did like the 24th oh, or 25th. I don't remember. The, okay. Because yeah. <laughs> I was curious, like, all right, how do you determine a winner if there's still people running at 24 hours? Okay, got gotcha. Right, yeah. And I've done just for practice as well in my own time, 24 hours just around around the blocks, for example. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that one I just cut off because I'm the only one doing it. So yeah. <laughs> I win yeah. that one no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good. But it's good prep. So. All right, so that just opens the door right there for a few questions. The fact that you're doing this on your own, the fact that you'll just do a 24-hour training um, simulation like that, the fact that you can do it virtually and uh, still maintain your sanity with that. So what is it about this that hits a nerve for you, that works for you, that you enjoy? Because there's 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 a sick enjoyment in it. I get it. I've been there, yeah. right? So what is it? What, do you have a finger on that? Um, I, I guess it's kind of like why I, I run, I guess. In, Especially in, in, in this space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a good way to push yourself to see just how far you can go. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you can only go as far as the second place person, uh, can go plus one, one loop. Um, so you don't always get to discover that, uh, how far could I have gone? Cause you, you do need to end one loop after the second place person. Um, but like I said, just the conditions are pretty perfect for you to kind of push past your existing limits and just kind of helps you discover where those limits lie. Mm-hmm. And have you pushed those further? Um, yeah, this one was probably my longest distance within a day, I guess, or within a span of days, I guess, like a couple of days in this case, um, with 220 kilometers. Um, I've been wanting to get up to that 200 mile, um, threshold and beyond, uh, for a while. So I'm hoping that I have another one on July 29th. Mm-hmm. Um, hoping to get past that, uh, uh, 48 hour mark there, but we'll see how that goes. Um, that one is actually the, the way these are set up. It's kind of like a two year cycle. Um, this year, basically the top 15 people of each country, um, will compete in a satellite competition, um, in October of this year. Um, so the goal is for this race coming up is to try to make that Canadian team. So they take the top 15 people from Canada, basically. Um, five of them are determined from these, they're called silver ticket races. Um, the winners of those get onto the national team. Um, and then the other 10 spots are just basically the number, the people that had the highest loops for all the other events uh, throughout the year. Mm-hmm. And that October event, so that's a, a quasi world championship? Yeah, so it's like a satellite championship. The USA team goes actually where the Bigs backyard is um, mm-hmm. next year um, and this year. Um, and then every other country has like their own setup and then virtually that each country competes against each other and there's like one winning country basically um, mm. and one winning person overall as well. Interesting. Okay. So it's like a race of races. Yeah. And yeah. then um, like let's say if I were to win um, against the other, if I were to make the Canadian team first of all, which is a big if, <laughs> and mm. if I won that, um, then in 2023 all the winners of each country then compete against each other. Um, so that's why I say two-year circuit. So on, on the second year, all the winners of each country compete against each other. 
right on. And that's an invitational only then, right? You're not on yeah. a course with others. So let's say, you know, 50 countries send people. So it's only 50 of you. Yeah, that's basically right. I think there is, an, like it's called the at-large list as well, where they let in a little bit of extra people based on, um, even if you weren't the winner of your country, they'll still let in the people that have the, the highest uh, loops, like maybe another 50 people or something like that. I like it. I like it. So this, I'm, so that interestingly could be, that's, that's where you're playing a few mental games too, right? I mean, if you're going to be at that invitational, um, I'm yeah. not saying you, but I'm saying one can <laughs> see that this creates sort of a competitive environment of all right supporting yeah. each other but also like you know i'm trying to wear that person down whether it's mentally physically or even spiritually because at some point there's 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 a toll being paid all right yeah that that's the thing about this format is that not not just that that 2023 race but any of these races is um, if you're doing a normal 100 miler, it's not based on other people's success. This one mm. is based on other people's success because it keeps going until you're the last person. Um, so when you're running, if you're talking to the other uh, contestants, which usually happens, um, you are kind of playing those mind games or having mm. those mind games played against you and um, just kind of feeling them out and seeing what their furthest distance is, seeing how much they have left in them, trying to appear strong even when you're not. And <laughs> things yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah I've had a conversations with a friend of mine chad wright about this and uh he loves that part of it the most right. <laughs> <laughs> he's like you know for him he's wired like that so yeah back to the original question though so instead of doing a point to point where the scenery changes and you're sort of working your way through terrain you're repeating a four mile loop a 4.1 mile loop over and mm -hmm. over again that that's a different animal yeah. I can imagine. And so how does that, because since you've done both, how, what's the, do you have any observations there that are, that are unique? Um, I think like, for example, where I live, it's very, very flat. So I'm used to, for example, training, um, I, I do, I try to do like one hill workout every week. So I'm used to going to a hill and just going up and down this 130 feet, uh, 30 foot hill nonstop over and over and over again. So I'm kind of used to the repetitiveness of, yeah. of it. Um, it like. <laughs> so um, they usually don't like you wearing um, headphones uh, during the day, uh, obviously, so people uh, can pass you and talk to you. A lot of times it's on single track, um, but you can wear it at night, so you can kind of just zone out. And uh, uh, it's also fun just to talk to people. But, but yeah, it does become repetitive. Um, and in those early, early first 24 hours, you really want to um, not wear yourself out and pace yourself and you really feel like you can pass all these people um and you can but um they say if you um win um any loop within the first 24 hours it foretells doom that's what uh, uh gary says gary cantrell says <laughs> i like it i yeah. like that that and in the patience in that is uh sounds pretty fascinating um, yep. you're getting me more and more curious. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, so, okay. So running background, we sort of understand how you got here. You sort of uh, wired for this. You like the measurable controlled aspect of it. You like coming back to home base. You like sort of working your way through like this. You're working your way up to 48 hours is, is what I understood. Right. Um, yep. Yeah. Which, which works out to 200 miles. Um, mm -hmm. so that's why, that's why it's 4.167. Um, it's because it's hundred miles divided by 24 it gives you 4.16667. Oh, I just thought it was because that was the distance that they made <laughs> up the first time because I, I wouldn't put it past them. They're like, ah, oh, this seems <laughs> because, because of the hour format. Just, yeah. Just because 24 hours is a decent time for a hundred miler. Yeah. So that's why they make it that. Yeah. Gotcha. All right, so am I getting that right? So you prefer this because of the controlled aspect, the, the, the measurable outcome. You can sort of see how you're doing. You can compare yourself to three, four, five loops ago. It's sort of a very, yeah, controlled environment, right? Yeah, and, and the competitiveness is just, um, it's exciting that there's only one winner to me um, and that everyone else is technically a DNF. And even if you go look at your race results, <laughs> there's, really? a high risk. there's a high risk that you're going to see the DNFs, yeah. <laughs> No, no. So, okay, so that's that, that's a whole different animal. So you you just ran, let's say, for forty hours. Yeah. And because you didn't win, you DNF'd. 
Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> This is getting better and better. I really like this. I mean, I guess that's the sickness of uh, Lazarus Lake, right there. (laughs) Of course, yeah, of course. I it's it's brilliant though too because Mm -hmm. it hardens the mind for the next event. I can totally see that. Like your your resolve just goes deeper and deeper because you're carrying that anguish with you. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So you've won three of these, and um, I'm not not to discount it in any way. But so the one, but the one outside where you feel like you had some competition was the most recent one. Was the PR one? I would say it's probably that was the the yeah the hardest one so far. Gotcha. Okay. And so, all right. So let's uh, let's uh, dive into this before we go into the training and sort of the lifestyle around this. So. You, you therefore have a pretty good sense in your pacing and in your training what a loop will take you at an, a very comfortable, easy pace, right? Right. And so do you train that pace? Do you go 5% faster, 5% slower? Do you do work around that number, that pace? Or how does that look? Um, I would say most of my miles are very slow, easygoing miles. Um like as mentioned before, I try to get one hill in per week. I try to do one a little bit higher intensity per week, but otherwise I'm trying to just get as much volume as I can. Like I, the way that I, I set my goals basically for the year is just, I, I, I say I want to average uh, a half marathon per day. Um, that, that's what I said this year, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I work that back and I say, well, that's, I might as well set basically a hundred mile week um, goal. And then, I don't have a particular day that I run on each time. I just know that every week I want to try to get to the 100 miles. And sometimes I'll fall a little bit short. Sometimes I'll go over. Um, but as long as I get um, like around 140 something, then then I'll uh, um, miles per or yeah, okay. 140k yeah, yeah per week. Then then I'm good. Yeah yeah yeah. And so um, and most of that is on trail, or do you mix it up with pavement as well, sort of to save the body? Probably most of it is on road, and that's just because I don't have any trails close to me. So a lot of my runs, I'll just run out to the closest hill, um, and by the time I get there and back, it's already 20 miles, so I don't spend too much time on that hill. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, most oh, of my man. runs are like that. Um, I do yeah. like 100% of my runs, um, pretty much 100% of my runs, first thing in the morning, like 5 or 6 a.m. Um, I have a very supportive and understanding wife, and she lets mm. me get out there. Um, probably about five days a week. Um, and uh, it just, that way I, I run for three or four hours uh, most mornings. And then after that, it's just done for the rest of the day. And I can spend yeah. that time with family and have no worries and things like that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So since we're going down that angle, um, family. So twin 13-year-olds, um, yep. lovely supportive wife. Um, you'd like to run in the mornings. Uh, what about work? What's the work life look like? Uh, just one more thing. Uh, I also have mm-hmm. an almost 10-year-old boy as well. Oh, okay. So three or three boys. Right. Yep. Okay. Right on. Yep. Um, and then work you asked about? Yeah. 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 Um, so I'm co-founder and CTO for a company named Brave Software. Um, so mm-hmm. it's a web browser, um, a privacy-based web browser. Um, my other co-founder is the guy that created the JavaScript programming language, mm-hmm. if you ever heard of that. Um, he yeah. also uh, co-founded Mozilla and created Firefox oh. uh, before that. So yeah, he's a very well-known guy. Um, yeah. So, so he, he's the star there. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I co-founded that with him uh, like seven years ago, and I've just been working at that and growing it. We're at about 200 employees now. Um, over 60 million monthly active users now. Um, so it's really starting to catch on. So it's both the browser now, uh, cryptocurrency wallet and search engine uh, amongst mm-hmm. other things now as well. Wow. All right. So you're an entrepreneur slash founder, right? Because it's yeah. technically still entrepreneurial in that sort of space or am I? Oh yeah, it is, yeah. That? yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. and a founder and plenty of work with CTO. So then you're running three to four hours in the morning. You're up at five just trying to go through this day. So then let's say you're logging in, you're going to an office or are you logging in? I work from home. Yeah. yeah. I, I so you're have. logging in around nine? Uh, yeah, nine, sometimes 10 if it's uh, okay. if I'm out on a run for a, 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's good. The, the other co-founder gets all the attention. That way you can do your, <laughs> you can do your running thing. Um, the, okay. So, and then, so then you have the day open because you're not restricted in any way. You have, you, you can have meetings and, and extra calls and go over and projects and so forth because you got your run done in the morning. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, what does that look like? And then in the evenings, family time, um, kids, school work when there is school um currently Dri- driving to different breaking. practices things like mm-hmm. that yeah board games okay. sometimes uh yeah right on right on um you said canada where where are you in canada we're super uh, flat <laughs> <laughs> uh windsor ontario so right across okay. from detroit yeah yeah there's a there's a great um running group here named uh we ultra um so mm-hmm. the we is uh, windsor essex windsor essex but also we as in the group of us um yeah. we ultra and um they, they do a hundred miler um every year so i've done that for the past four years um and they're a really good uh, running group as well here that i'm connected right with yeah good good okay so that's sort of your daily format what do the weekends look like when you um since you said for you, five days a week yeah, so weekends, usually Saturday and Sunday, I'm doing the same thing unless I have some kind of event and um, on the weekend, in which case I try to offset it uh, for, for the days prior. Um, yeah. But but same same deal, I get up like at like 6 a.m. Maybe sometimes I'll sleep until 7 on a weekend <laughs> uh, if that's yeah. considered sleeping in, but yeah. Right on. Um, and so this lifestyle, so where you've been here, sort of balancing it all, how do you feel does it go in waves i guess i should ask are there times where you're like work is just demanding too much i got to pull back on running how do those waves go for you so in the first few years that i co-founded my company it was a lot a lot of work and i was up usually 2 3 a.m um and that's when i i I kind of um I i think i started to gain quite a bit of weight and i was up to like 200 pounds and it really freaked me out um, and then that's when I really got serious about training and I went to see a nutritionist and I signed up for my first 100 miler to try to work that down. I had set a, a goal to do 30 uh, 10Ks um, in 30 consecutive days. Um, and then I ended up doing 100 days of that because uh, it was just going well. Um, so <laughs> We're learning, um, so that, that, that was kind of little, the start of it. <laughs> We're learning a little bit here, Brian, <laughs> that, that, that the normal, even... 30 10ks um, a month of 10ks is already a lot but um the fact that you just say nah that's 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 not stimulating enough i love it i mean this is awesome <laughs> this is great this is uh, i love hearing these stories all right so then you you so from there um so from there i just i lost 30 pounds after that after seeing a nutritionist and i was just mm-hmm. kind of tracking everything and um very very strict about what i would eat and i would write down every single thing yeah um yeah. and then um now now i'm kind of just i eat whatever i want i, I mostly eat like a vegan diet i'm not actually vegan but i mostly will eat that type of food because i just find it's a lot better for recovery mm-hmm. um but before when i had the weight on um i would go do like a half marathon for example and i by the end of the run i'd get back uh into my bedroom and i'd like have trouble walking across the room uh mm-hmm. just be limping so much um after the weight and maybe after the diet change, um, within 24 hours, I'm recovered and ready to go again, even if I did um, a marathon or a 50K the day before. So this is an inflammation question then, right? So I think so, the yeah. fact that your body seems to respond inflammation-wise post the load and the stress of the, the run that you're able to respond quickly with um, lack of inflammation yeah. and quick absorption of you know nutrients, minerals, and so forth, that's great. Yeah, and I think it's probably also, I mean, it's probably many things, but also like before I would always try to push every kind, every single run and maybe I would do 60% uh, of what I could do every single run and consistently do that every run. And now I, I more accept that the slower runs are okay um, mm-hmm. and it gives you more energy for the later runs. Yep, yep. Consistency over time makes yep. a big difference. All right. All right. Well, so that's sort of Brian. And so here we are. All right. So we're doing that's sort of the training, nothing specific. Like you don't maybe I would I would assume you would take some races, 50 Ks, 100 miler, a local 50 miler, whatever it is to jump into to Mm -hmm. sort of just um, simulate and use as a training day. Right. Yep. Yeah. And if there's no available races, I'll just one <laughs> yeah exactly. um, especially with COVID though they were all canceled so I just kind of yeah. created my own events for that 
Mm-hmm. Um, my, my son, um, one of my the, the, the twins, uh, mm-hmm. also does uh, ultra running, and he's and his 12 year old. When he was twelve last year, he did his mm-hmm. first fifty uh, k, and then his first sixty k as well last mm-hmm. year. So That's I do awesome. a lot of my training with him as well. Okay. That's fantastic. So curious. Yeah. And how about the other twin? What is he? Uh, he, he, he took over my programming side. So they kind of split. One took my running <laughs> oh my side and the other one took the programming side. <laughs> that is brilliant. That is the yeah. way to see to see how that truly works. Um, yeah. Genes. Well, that's interesting. All right. So, okay. So let's uh, dive into this a little bit. So it takes you, um, if I can ask, oh, what, what, how long does a loop take you? Um. For a typical backyard loop, yeah, yeah, um, between four. It, it depends on the elevation, but um, on a flat course, let's say forty-seven minutes. Um, okay, and on a uh, a hilly course, maybe like fifty-one. Um, okay. not to say I always run at that. Like sometimes I'll want to strategically plan to go faster because I want to. Um, I don't know, get like a leg, leg massage or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll I'll run purposely at uh, maybe forty minutes and try to finish within forty minutes for that one, so they have that twenty minute recovery. But I won't do that mm-hmm. often because that'll trash your legs after um, a few loops. Okay, so if you're running that, let's say, so that's the, we're talking about um, eleven minute miles, right? Approximately. I mean, you're in K, so but if it's yeah. four point one miles and approximately forty seven. Right, let's just say 11-ish mile, minute miles. Is that yeah. sort of the pace you train at, or how does that sort of work? That, I'm, that's where I'm, my curiosity dives into. So, so the runs that I do with my son are right around that seven and a half minute per kilometer uh, pace um, mm-hmm. that I typically do in the backyards as well. Um, I don't think I typically go slower than that in training. Um, so it's either that that's kind of like my slow pace. Um, and then some things are a little bit faster than that. Um, um, and sometimes I'll follow very more strict, uh, uh, plan rate. Most of the year I don't, but sometimes I will. And, um, those have like, I'll do like intervals and stuff like that. Yeah. I was going to say speed work. Yeah. You'll have some speed work for running economy and efficiency in there. Yep. Um, as well as the stimulus. Because I am, can imagine just your ability to put forth a 40-minute loop needs to not cost you that much. Right. Um, right. And so you want to mentally also know that you ha- or have that confidence. All right. I can vary my 40 to 47 to 51, whatever it is, yeah. the way I need it. If I want to sit more the next loop or if I want, like you said, a leg massage or if I want to uh, take in a little bit more calories and not rush it, things like that. Yeah, and a lot of this is like um, when you get later in the backyard loops, um, mm-hmm. you start to get slower and slower, and, and you start saying like, "Oh, how can I keep doing this? I, I only get like four minutes of rest, and I was getting seven minutes of rest before, and then you get mm-hmm. only three minutes of rest." Um, but you just kind of have to remind yourself that um, you don't need any minutes. Like if you're doing a hundred mile or two hundred mile, normally you don't get any rest whatsoever. So. It's, it's, it's a big, uh, there's a big mindset factor to it as well, where some people kind of see it as like a spiral of death that you, you're falling into. And um, if you just remind yourself that it's okay to um, even come in at 59 minutes, because um, the next loop you can start over and you can start to work back back your uh, time, then, mm-hmm. then you don't mm-hmm. have to fall into that trap. Yeah. All right, so you're working through, let's say the first, I mean, technically the first 100 miles, right? The first 100 miles, nothing, I would think for you really happens. You're being social. <laughs> you're um, getting to know the group that you're running with. You're probably observing. There's probably some strategy around um, who's doing what, um, who's making the mistakes, which are pretty obvious to you yeah. um, having learned this. And so when do you sort of feel like things get interesting? Is that at 36 hours or, or 30 hours? Like when when does this sort of start shaking out? All right, this is who I... See, in my world of Ironman triathlon, that's probably the thing I've done the most yeah. um, with 42 Ironmans or whatever. It's just knowing, uh, not until you're sort of at 85, 90 on the bike and yeah. you have the marathon, do you sort of, does the day sort of shake out? Before that, that's all just whatever. A lot of egos and people flying around, but who really knows how to pace themselves well on the bike and then how they're setting themselves up those first 10K on the run. And then mm-hmm. this is my competition for the day. 
until you just have to manage yourself to get there. I can imagine this is similar. Like I have to put myself into a position where then I can start evaluating how this is going to unfold. Yeah, they say the race doesn't start until the 25th hour because a lot of people want to get up to that 100-mile goal um, and then they drop out after that. So you're basically just preserving as much as you can until that 24-hour mark. Um, the first 24 hours are pretty easy. The only, the only difficult part, I would say, is like between 3 to 5 a.m. because you're so tired and you're kind of falling asleep and trying to slap yourself in the face to wake yourself up as you're going this, uh, this slower pace, for example. Mm-hmm. Um but after that, when one morning hits, it's you, you kind of get renewed and you're a new person, um, and you can keep going for quite a while after that. Okay. And so, nutritionally, no, let's just just go in those early 24 hours. So you're getting in, you're in at 47, 46, 48. You sit mm-hmm. down. You have a chair. You sit down. Yeah, uh, 10 by 10 pop-up tent with um, like a gravity chair that you can kind of lean back on, and mm-hmm. if you want to try to take a quick nap, you can do that. Um, yeah, like I said, you got to prioritize what you do, but you can mm-hmm. pick one or two things to do. Get your water mm-hmm. filled and get back out there. Okay, so do you take do you take water with you on the loop? The forty? Um, not not everyone does. Sometimes they have a table out there halfway through. Sometimes they don't, uh, depending okay. on which race it is. Um, I usually have um, a running vest that I just I always train with it on, so I just keep it on anyways. Um, mm-hmm. Some people just r- run with the handheld bottles, uh, things like that. Okay, and then um, same thing with nutrition. Are you taking that out there or are you using, hey, every 47 minutes I'm back here, I can eat something, I can basically get those two, three hundred, four hundred 400 calories in, or am I? I yeah, I, I do take something with me usually just because I find it's distracting and it, it, it takes your mind off of the, mm-hmm. the running that you have to do, so it just gives you something to do while you're out there. Um, I, 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 I aim for about 250 calories an hour. Um, when I first started like the ultra running stuff, um, my nutritionist had told me like, you need to go carbs, carbs, carbs. And over time I found that that just destroys my gut and I end up throwing up and I can't handle that much. And, um, so I just been more and more going to just normal running food or normal food, not running food. Sorry. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. and that seems to work a lot better for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the nutrition world at, um, as of 24 hours is very limited in yeah. their knowledge and especially the newest carb push that's great for 10 hours that's great for 14 hours but beyond that we're talking it gets into a dangerous game as well as just yeah. your taste buds not being able to they they know what you're trying to trick it with and it's right. not working <laughs> so. yeah some things are just so dry after like a 24-hour period that you can't even swallow it at that point yeah um yeah yeah, yeah. Well, and, and it depends on the environment too, right? You're what nighttime versus daytime, mm-hmm. um, temperatures, all that. Um, all right. Okay. So we so we have about eleven to twelve minutes rest. Like, is there something you're? T- what's your mind telling? What are you going through each time? Is there a checklist? Do you have this very sorted out? Um, what's the process of you getting in? So yeah, yeah. Most of these races, you have a full-time crew person there with you to help yeah. you. So you get in there, you give them your water bottles, um, and and yeah, he has like a checklist to go through. Um, if it's a night loop, he has to make sure that you have your your headlamp with you, for example, because that's required for for the night loops. Yeah. Um, make sure I have that nutrition that I want to uh, get into me. Um, mm-hmm. If there is real food available, like sometimes some of them will put on some soups or something like that, and that goes down really easy. Um, so yep. the crew will get that for me, and then I'll do that. But um, after after the 24-hour period, I'm mostly just getting in, and I'm plopping on the chair, and I'm, my crew's doing things for me, <laughs> so I don't have yeah. the energy to oh, do yeah. things that, of course. for myself. Yeah. Of course. And where do you struggle? Where's the struggle here? Um, so in that second day, I mean, it, it really sucks. <laughs> uh, so 10 a.m., 2 p.m., is there a consistent lull? Or because you said the sunrise in the morning sort of gives yeah. you energy. It does. Um, by that, I mean the tiredness aspect of it. So um, your legs are going to hurt, and that's what that's the part that sucks, I guess, is that like you're, you're, you have all these aches and pains everywhere. And um, really when you get out there and you start running a loop, though, just – 
the pain kind of goes away for the rest of that hour. And then when you're, when you get back to the 10th, that's when things seize up and you get up and you're like, Oh, do I really want to go out and do another loop? And I don't think I would, I'd be one to ever quit before a loop started. Um, I'd always, I think time out, uh, personally, um, yeah. rather than that. Yeah. So you, the way it sounds, you've never not quit. I mean, as it is, you never quit and you've never timed out. Right, like you have. To- I, I, I've timed out on because I've done I think six of these. Uh, oh, okay. Three of them I won. Three of them I yeah. didn't. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, so I have timed out before, which which means I have DNF before. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, what do you take away from that? Like, what's that? What's that feeling like? So, what do you say to you? Or, or is it is it more transactional? Well, my stomach this, or my training this, or or is there something where you go, you know what, that was a blind spot. Yeah, I mean, I'm always learning more and more through these. And like, I have a big spreadsheet where I have, before I go into these that my crew kind of works on and I have every single hour listed and things to do in certain hours and um, things that I learn and foods to avoid. And you definitely don't do one of these races and come out the same. I think like whether you win or or lose one of these, you're always coming out with more more things like what caused chafing or um, Mm -hmm. I haven't had any kind of foot problems in uh, a couple of years, but like I used to have blistering and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. Toenails uh, that, are, that are black or, or missing. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. yeah, but I, know, I don't have those problems anymore, luckily. Um, so I guess just every little experience kind of builds on, on each other um, so that you can do better and better. Yeah, so your next goal is the 48-hour threshold. So the mm-hmm. second night, that's the big one, right? Because you guys start at yep. 5 a.m.? 5 a.m. or some start at midnight. Uh, so it's like 6 a.m. The one that I'm doing on July 29th is the first one that I'll do that starts at night. So it's like at 8 p.m. So that'll be maybe a different piece, but we'll see how that goes. Um, yeah. That one, I think it'll be easier to get through that second night because you're starting on the first night. Um, yeah. So as long as you can get early. get get through that second night, I think that um, there's a good chance I could get to that 48. Okay. Right on. And so. Uh, you had mentioned um, fatigue with regards to sitting down and so forth. So different than a hundred miler, my experience is hundred milers. Um, you know, once you hit that sort of fifty-ish, it's all just the same level of fatigue anyway. It's just mm-hmm. that numb running, and you just sort of—that's all the mind. How is that different here? Because you're stopping, so it's almost—is it more to overcome because you have to re-engage? Or is it is it just completely different animal? Um, when you hit that second day, you kind of you look at who the competitors are in the state that they're in, and you might see that they're still like they have a lot a lot more loops in them as well, and you know that you also have a lot more loops. So uh, sometimes you kind of pair up with these other people and work together, and you just you know that you're going to be here for another let's say at least another eight hours, for example. So you're just running with them, talking with them, having a good time, and just kind of letting go and. Uh, just getting to that next phase of the, of the event um, where um, things change and everyone doesn't look fresh anymore. Um, hmm. uh, and I know, you, you know that like they're feeling whatever you're feeling. So when you get back to camp and you're sore, um, I'm sure they are too. But, um, but you always have that game face on when you get back, back out course. to the start line. <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah. And you jump right back out of your chair because you have to, right? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. That's right. just part of it. Um, yeah. And uh, do you have music there as in, in the, uh, at the tent or is it, is it pretty quiet? What's, what's the scene like there at the transition or at the finish line with regards to each person with their crew? And so how, what's, the, what's the vibe? It's usually a party um, throughout most of the day and some of the night, um, and then maybe two to five or two to six a.m. It's just like dead quiet, and you might have a couple people clapping when you get in, but it's really quiet. Mm-hmm. And then back during the day, you have a lot of people cheering, a lot of people around, things like that. So it's mm-hmm. yeah, it's definitely a lot easier um, during the, um, the 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 day loops. Yeah, and do your kids come out to? Uh, so does your son run a few with you? No, are you you're not allowed pacers. Are you? No, you're not allowed pacers, right? Not allowed pacers. No. Um, but the 60k that I mentioned that my one son did was on a backyard ultra. That um, oh. it was the one of them that I won, but he he did uh, his his personal best distance for that too. So that's awesome. That's yeah. great. So he's so he's sort of building up them. Oh, yeah, the he'll, he'll, he'll far surpass me. Well, sure, one day. <laughs> I'll be I'll be All trying right, to so keep up with him. 
Yeah, yeah. So, um, all right. So we've, and in the training, you don't stop in your training. So for example, you don't say, all right, on this Saturday's run, because I'm not sort of doing any type of um, events, I'm going to do a six hour simulation where I stop every 45 minutes. Is there something like that in your training? Or because you do enough events and have enough infrastructure around you to sort of train the way you want to train, you don't need to. Yeah. I mean, I, I train so that if I want to do an event any time of the year, winter, mm-hmm. summer, um, I can just do it at any time. So that, that's the ideal way. Um, for this last one, I did that 24-hour um, kind of only me backyard ultra that I mentioned. That was kind of like my simulation for for this to see how it would feel during those night hours. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but no, I don't do any kind of very specific training Um if like trying to do it in loops or like stopping every loop or anything like that. Um, I just try to get that, that distance in with that yearly goal as is the yeah. main goal. Okay. And in between, um, you know, start and finish, are you primarily alone? Are you just trying to find people? You had mentioned that you want to run with people cause you, it starts shaking out. Yeah. Um, or are there times where you're just like, you know, I'm just going to get this one done stay in my head uh, all of the above because it's a big span of time <laughs> yeah, talking exactly. about. um yeah the three to five a.m period that i mentioned where you feel like really tired if, if you just the, the best way to combat that tiredness is just to find someone to talk to and you have your headlamp on so you can't even see who you're talking to but if you're just engaging then that just tricks yeah. your brain into not being tired um to get you through those hours yeah yeah well it's like a pacer <laughs> yeah sense. exactly yeah sure so you're 48 hours all right so um going through a second night um that's the next goal what do you think yeah. about th- that 337 <laughs> miles that, like that that he the, the guy just i can't think of his name right now um, i think uh yeah the world record is 80 86 loops um Mer- Mergen or something like that mm-hmm. uh, yeah yeah um it's incredible i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the um, th- there is that goal imagine. out there. Yeah, the, there is a goal out there to get to 100 loops to see who can be the first one to break 100 loops. So. Oh, that is in the community. Gotcha. Yeah. 100. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's also a different organizer <laughs> who has to stay out there. <laughs> well, yeah, right. I know because you got to blow that whistle at three minutes before the end of the loop, two minutes, two whistles, and then one minute, one whistle. Um, and you got to be there every single hour as well when you're when you're running it. So that's a lot of work for those organizers. Um, yeah, and that's four four twenty four hour periods and a little bit beyond that for the for the hundred goal that people yes. are trying. So to So they get have to. to have their own crew to switch out and pretty much and yeah. <laughs> organize. And that's right, Harvey Lewis is. Um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is, okay. Uh, who's yeah, he, um, yeah. Yeah. Someone set the world record. I think like a month ago after him, but uh, he was the record holder oh, before that. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Already broken. <laughs> yeah. That's well, these are. It's getting broken every year. Yeah. All right. Well, that's um, that's pretty fascinating. All right. So, how do you respond to um, being in a situation where you know, for example, all right, these guys are clearly going to run longer than me. Does that shift your perspective or do you go more into, okay, let's see how far I can go, or let me just pace with them, um, and use them to create your own, achieve your own desired outcome. Yeah. And this last one that I did, we were down to three people and I was sure that the other two people were stronger and were going to last longer than me. Um, but I just, I pre train my crew basically just to tell me to just do one more loop, do one more loop. And I'm just uh, at any one time, I'm only focusing on that next loop. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah, you're hoping they drop at some point, but you're just focusing on that next loop. That's it. Yeah. Because you're going to, I mean, if you're invited to this invitational, that's going to be uh, quite a, quite a group there. Are you allowed to bring yeah. your own crew to some of these, uh, still yeah. to these um, invitationals, national team type of thing. Okay. Yeah. So they don't, change that gotcha huh all right all right what am i missing here with regards to questions I and mean, not just for you but in general what's the the last man standing sort of key in in the training that you observe or as well as in the event let's go through the training first like what what's something that you would say don't overlook this it's a it's a key component in the training uh, i think diversity is is really good so just like that mistake that i mentioned that i did before where in my earlier uh, years of training i would just try to to go i would i would think that 
if I'm not doing a nine minute mile, then it's, I'm not doing good. <laughs> I should stop. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, just accept being more accepting of being a slow runner. It's fine. Um, and I guess that's also why I like these kind of events is because I can be, I can, I am a slow runner. Uh, I'm not fast. I can't do a, a hundred miler and like 17 or 18 hours, for example, where others can. Mm-hmm. Um, so this uh, allows me to compete um, with really good athletes and, and still uh, be slow, uh, which my do- body does better with for um, yeah. for healing and things like that. Yeah. Okay. All right. And then, um, and then not to forget, so during the event, because you said a key golden nugget there earlier was, you know, those that start with, what did you say? Um, what did Lazarus say? Um, if, you, say? if you win a loop within the first uh, 24 yeah. hours, then uh, foretells doom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just even the sentence is beautiful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anything else like that? Like, what else do you observe in the event? Like, um, because even for the, not just for winners, but just sort of, I'm going to do my first last man standing. I'm a pretty decent runner. I'm not mean, let's say, but a person listening. And they're saying, you know, what what should I keep in mind during the event? Because I, I doubt I'm going to be out there as long as you are, and I'm not looking to be the last one standing. But I want my DNF to be <laughs> as far as I can possibly go. Yeah, you can set a PB and also have a DNF. Uh, a per, like a distance PB and still have a DNF. So yeah, <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's just the whole the whole uh, gaming aspect that I that I mentioned, where you're mm-hmm. you're playing against each other's uh, each other's minds. It's a mind game as well. There's that aspect of it. Um, sometimes you you get to um, like there might be two or three people left, and no one wants to do that next loop because everyone's so close to quitting. Um, so just going out to that start line can be important uh, because mm-hmm. someone else might not go out to that start line. And if, even if you didn't have that, it in you to finish a loop, just going to that start line might give you the win. Um, mm-hmm. Because once you hear that that other person dropped, um, you, you'll find that energy to do that extra loop to win it. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And you'd be surprised how much it remains in you despite thinking that you can't. Exactly, yeah. How does this, this last man standing type of event this mindset aspect for you, what does it compare to in anything else you do or see in your day to day? Does it, do you come across a similar way to apply it in your day to day? Just keep toeing the line. So just keep putting in the work and uh, starting uh, the loop. So toeing the line means like going at the start of each hour, just get back to that start and just mm-hmm. little by little you'll get there. Um, you don't have to focus on. Um, the end, the end goal, because it's too much to kind of, it's too big of a goal to focus on. You'll just end up quitting. But if you just focus on that current loop and that current, uh, the current work, then you can get there. And, I mean, it applies to things in work as well. Like if you just work on a big problem little by little every day, you'll eventually get there. You don't need to uh, worry about finishing the whole thing all at once. As long as you're making consistent progress, you'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, this has been uh, really interesting. I really appreciate your time. Do you have um, any questions for me? Um, I don't know. Maybe I'll turn it back and, and say, what advice would you, you give me in my training? Because uh, I, I know you do a lot of coaching. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, the, the beauty for you is that um, you're in a realm of uh, having an expertise in this space that I would not call myself an expert in. But... Mm-hmm. From a, it is all mindset, right? Like, as you said, yeah. and yeah. it's pretty cut and dry with how powerful that space is. Um, I was just talking to somebody this morning about um, having more than a finish line for motivation and understanding where that source of power beyond and source of um, strength of mind comes from. That's way deeper than ego, right? This isn't mm-hmm. about winning. It's about how far, and that's what this event truly is. It's how far can I take myself? And that's why I was asking for you earlier, like, where is that point? Does it, in last man standing, because in 100 milers, sometimes you hit that mindset point at 40 miles. Sometimes you hit it at 70 miles. Mm-hmm. Other times you don't hit it at all. You're like, I never even had to challenge. Like I, I, I told David this a few weeks ago. I had that 100K, and yes, I, I didn't run it as fast as I could because my ankle was hurt, but I never got to that dark point. 
Yeah. Um, and I'm, I can see now why you do last man standing because if you if you you would probably be unsatisfied if you did a hundred miler and you never hit the the challenging mindset point. You're like, what's the point? I might as well have just run it home. Um, yeah, like for this for this next race that I'm doing, for example, the silver ticket one that gets you into the national team. I'd rather, for example, it get into the 40s, 40 hours mm-hmm. and, and beyond, than win with like, for example, 20 hours or something like that. Like, yeah, so I'd rather there be a very competitive field, and um, I'd rather get the higher leaps than have a win. Personally. So that takes research on your behalf to f- make sure that people are there that are going to last as long or to the goal that you're looking to last. Yep, that's true. Um, okay. But the way, so the way that it's set up is like this one is called a silver ticket race. And so just by it being a silver ticket race, there's going to be um, com- competitive people in there. Um, yeah. 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 Well, I mean, and that's the whole beauty of it, right? That you just can sit there in that space, save your mental energy, and, and you might not even need it um, for permanently from that time forward. What I'm saying is like maybe from loop 30 to 40 you're like actually that wasn't so bad mm-hmm. i'm gonna actually stay right here and not ask myself for any type of mental energy cognitive strength because it's coming it's coming either way and i can imagine that the peaks and valleys in a last man standing are very similar to 130 140 whatever mile run that you just sort of trust if i tow the line i'll kick out of this at some point in time yep. you just have to be patient what is it i always like to say with regards to patience it's um, managing your impulses long enough to avoid getting in your own way, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, it's just yeah. like, I know what to do, but it's those voices and impulses that are stopping me. And so, yeah. like you said, get to that start line and allow the mind, the body to take over. Right. Because it's, it's only the mind that really is stopping us. We both know that the body can run further mm-hmm. technically, right? Sure. Do you feel like you've ever stopped before your body, well, where your body forced you to stop? And you're, I mean, where you, where you can stop because of GI issues or an injury, but have you No, stopped? but even in the cases of GI issues, like I, I still yeah. personally wouldn't stop after that. I'll just keep going as long as I can basically and, and, until I, I would hit some kind of a cutoff because I just can't maintain whatever the cutoff would the be. Pace. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll be uh, I'll be watching. So it's July 29th is yep, um, called uh, Persistence Backyard Ultra. Right on. And where is that? Uh, London, Ontario, Canada. Okay, so <laughs> so is that that's that's not as flat, but it's flat, right? It's it's a really flat course, yeah. So, okay, yeah, um, it's still a good one. Flatlands, yep. <laughs> um, good for you. And uh, well, that that'll be exciting, fun to watch. Cool. All right. Well, um, best of luck. Thank that you. Sounds amazing. Um, I really appreciate the conversation, a lot of insight into how this works. And um, yeah, I look forward to hearing the results and how you're doing. Best of luck. Stay healthy. um, And I hope that body continues to cooperate. And yeah. Thank you. That's awesome. Appreciate appreciate you having me on. Thanks. Of course. Well, there you have it. Another episode in the books. Thank you. Really. Thank you for listening and being part of the discussion around endurance and the pursuit of potential. Please let me know what you think, how this episode resonated with you. I'm always curious to learn about what the listener is hearing versus what I am saying. There's a difference between the two. And I hope you can take a moment today, this week, to think about who you want to be and how your athletic self The athlete within you can contribute to the overall version of who you want to be. Where can you start discovering the cracks? What endurance challenge can you take on in order to feel that transformation and fill in the cracks you have come to recognize? I'll talk with all of you soon.